Um, if you pull out the half sheet that you got on your way in, um, uh, you can see that at the top of it, there are some bullet points that, that summarize uh, what we're going to talk about in the next couple of weeks. And below that are, is plenty of room for uh, some notes. So uh, if you hear something that encourages you or challenges you, you might, you might want to consider writing it down so you can remember it later. I find that writing something down, even if I don't take it with me, just the act of writing it down is one way in which we process information. So we want to provide that for you. Over the next couple of weeks, over the next two weeks, we're doing a series on the book of Psalms. And uh, even though the book of Psalms is old, like older than your grandparents old, older than America old, like old, old, I, I think that it's, uh, even though it's old, people still keep going back to it as a source of inspiration and hope. Have you ever noticed an old song uh, becoming new again? Uh, this just happened. It, it made the news. It happened twice this last year because of the popular show Stranger Things. You, anyone watch that show? I watched the first season or two. I, I haven't finished it, um, but I, I hear good things. But I did notice in the news, they, th this last season they included a couple of uh, classic songs in the show, and the, uh, um, the, the current generation heard these songs, and they're like, oh my gosh, who is this hot new artist? This is great, this is great music. Here, here was one of them. I do have a clip for you today. You guys know this one? This sounds like it was just written. This is the music I listen to right now. No, it's, it's old. Is this Kate Bush running up that hill? Uh, this, along with Metallica's song, Master of Puppets, which I was going to play for you today, but we don't have time, uh, uh, both ended up on the charts uh, for the first time in forever, um, as if they were brand new songs. And they aren't. They're both old songs made new again. As we head into uh, the, this new year, welcome to 2023, everyone. You've made it. We're here. You survived. As we head into this new year, I've been thinking a lot about what, what it looks like to actually have a new year. Like new, you know, not the same as before. Something fresh, something interesting, beautiful, new. And I'm reminded that sometimes the new song we're looking for is just an old song we're discovering for the first time. And I, I think this is one way to think about scripture. It's by all accounts a very old book filled with a lot of old songs, as it turns out. There's, there's actually at least 185 different songs in scripture, a lot of poetry, and many of them would have been put to music. And, and the majority of these are found in the book of Psalms. And these songs are old, but maybe the new we're looking for can be found there. So over the next two weeks, we're going to look at two old songs that I hope will help us discover a new perspective on this new year. Now, these songs are found in the book of uh, Psalms. Uh, and Psalms, uh, you've probably heard before, it's, it's an English word that comes from a Greek word, uh, meaning a song sung to heart music. The psalm, the word psalm is rooted in the Greek word to pluck strings. So that's where it's like songs meant for the harp. In many ways, you could consider it, the book of Psalms, a very old Hebrew hymnal. Now, since we have the joy of worshiping at St. Luke's Church, uh, where they uh, have on display a United Methodist hymnal. Now, I don't know if, has anyone never opened a hymnal before? You don't have to, you don't have to acknowledge that. But if you have, 
It's happening right now, so grab one. We're gonna look at it real quick. This is a little history lesson. This is a, this is a phenomenal resource for your faith, by the way. Um, a lot of new churches get rid of them. I don't know, maybe, we, maybe, we'll, maybe they won't be in the pews in the future, but for now they're gonna be, uh, and, and it's a great resource. I just wanna point out one thing as you look at this. If you're ever looking for a, a great resource, because reading songs, what people write about God is very formative for our faith. What's interesting about the hymnal is uh, one of the most important things, if you're, if you're looking for encouragement, is at the top of this hymnal, it tells you what the songs are about, and they're divided into categories. This is the only part I want to focus on today, in case you ever want to use this as a resource. On the, I'm getting my left and right wrong, right. On the left-hand side, at the top, is the main category. So I'm on page 520, and it says sanctifying and perfecting grace, which are great theological terms we're not going to get into today. And then on the right-hand side is like the subcategory where it says strength and tribulation. So as you scroll through here, you'll find a section on Christmas, uh, you'll find a section on you know Easter you know they'll be called something else a section just on praise if you go all the way to the back of course you get into uh, uh, what, what kind of songs do we put in the back uh, a new heaven and a new earth you know return of the reign of the king so I mean it follows kind of the story of scripture and all these different songs fit into these different categories and so it's just an interesting resource what's interesting the reason I share that with you you can put it away if you want to the reason I share that is it's similar to the book of Psalms the book of Psalms is a hymnal. So now you've got some context for what, what I mean by hymnal. If you've never used one before, it's what a hymnal is. The book of Psalms is a hymnal, and it's a collection of songs that can be divided into different categories. And scholars have worked to divide these categories. We're not going to list all the categories, but here are some of them. You've got lament psalms, thanks or gratitude psalms, praise psalms, trust, psalms about trusting God, wisdom, there's a whole category of royal songs that talk about songs that would have been sung in a palace around what it means to be have a king and all this sort of stuff. And there's a variety of others, just category other psalms that don't fit into those categories nicely. So what we're going to look at today is a lament psalm. Lament means uh, to grieve, to express loss. And, and as you look out in this new year, as you look out towards this new year, and you reflect on last year, there might be some things that you need to leave behind. Things that you need to let die. Things that you need to grieve. Maybe last year didn't go as well as you had hoped it would. Maybe you hear, like, last year was the best year of my life, and, and that's okay. We're, next week, we're going to talk about gratitude and thanks psalms, and that's going to apply to you a little bit more effectively. But maybe last year didn't go perfect for you. Maybe you had some bumps along the road, and um, so this is where we're going to start. Now, one of the types of lament songs that we're going to look at is what we call a petition, which means we ask God for something. We petition, we ask. So the songwriter isn't just grieving, isn't just lamenting, but they're asking God for something. Life has become unbearable. I need you, God. So you'll see a few other themes mixed in this as well, lament, uh, praise, trust, wisdom, et cetera. Today, we're going to start with a petition and a lament. so that we can name how um, last year maybe hurt us and how we can think about what it means to leave some of that hurt behind and start out crying out to God, start out acknowledging our need for God. That, that's what a petition's about. 
To, to request something for God at its most basic level is to acknowledge that we need something from God. So that's where we'll start. Next week, we'll look at gratitude or Thanksgiving song. And uh, so if you want to, you can grab your Bible. You can Google it on your phone. We're not going to have it on the screen. Or you can just listen to it, which is what I'd encourage you to do if you're comfortable with that. We're going to look at Psalm 31. I'm going to read the entire psalm and then share a few reflections. So for those with short attention spans, I'm going to challenge you this morning to pay attention. I am one of those people with short attention spans. But uh, I'm going to read the entire psalm. Uh, We're going to look at it. We're going to read it twice today, once now and once at the end. So let's take a few moments. Let's quiet ourselves. Let's take a few breaths in. Let's set our intention for our time together. What, What do we hope to hear from God today? And then I'm going to read Psalm 31. In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Keep me free from the trap that is set for me and for you, for you are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. I hate those who cling to worthless idols. As for me, I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your love, for you saw my affliction and knew the anguish of my soul. You have not given me into the hands of the enemy, but I have set my feet in a spacious place. Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish and my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction and my bones grow weak. Because of all my enemies, I am the utter contempt of my neighbors and the object of dread to my closest friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me. I am forgotten as though I were dead. I have become like broken pottery. For I hear many whispering, terror on your side. They conspire against me and plot to take my life, but I trust in you, Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies, from those who pursue me. Let your face shine on your servants. Save me in your unfailing love. Let me not be put to shame, Lord, for I've cried out to you. Let the wicked be put to shame and be silent in the realm of the dead. Let their lying lips be silenced, for with pride and contempt they speak arrogantly against the righteous. How abundant are the good things that you have stored up for those who fear you that you bestow in the sight of all on those who take refuge in you. In the shelter of your presence, you hide them from all human intrigues. You keep them safe in your dwelling from accusing tongues. Praise be to the Lord, for he showed me the wonders of his love when I was in a city under siege. In my alarm, I said, I am cut off from your sight. Yet you heard my cry for mercy when I called to you for help. Oh, love the Lord, all his faithful people. The Lord preserves those who are true to him, but the proud he pays back in full. Be strong and take heart, all who hope in the Lord. There's so much happening in this psalm. And if we had time, we could probably glean some wisdom from every verse. 
but we don't have time today for every verse. So I want to share with you just a few thoughts on how this song might encourage us this new year. First is this. This song, even though it is a grieving song, it's a lament. Did you, did you hear that in the psalm? A song about loss and, and hurt and fear. I mean, this person's terrified. He's under siege. Even though it's really about some hard stuff and some deep fears, this song begins and ends with choosing to trust God. It begins and ends with trust. Trust is the bookends for this little soliloquy. The writer starts, in you, Lord, I have taken refuge. And the writer ends, be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. In fact, these statements about praising God and choosing to trust God are littered throughout the psalm, and maybe you heard that. The whole song is this dance between trust and petition. But no matter how hard life got for this songwriter, he starts and he ends with trust. Let's pause there for a second. I don't know how your life's going, but no matter what you're going through and no matter how hard it gets, here's what I encourage you to do. Start with trusting God and end with trusting God. That's the goal. Last year uh, was hard for me. Some of you know that even the reasons for that. But thinking back, and this has given me great hope, I started, gosh darn it, 2022 with trusting God. And I ended 2022 with trusting God. And there were a lot of things that happened in between those, <laughs> a lot of things that happened in between those two facts. A, a year where I danced between doubt and trust. But the most important thing is that I started 2022 with trusting God. I ended 2022 with trusting God. And that's what matters, period, hard start. That's the part I want to remember. And the stuff in the middle, I can't say I always trusted God in the middle. I can't say I got it right. I can't say I held on to every single day was perfect. But I ended the way I started. And here's what I love about this. Don't, don't lose how significant this is. The psalm starts with trust. And it ends with trust. But in the middle, there are very serious complaints. The author is grieving and hurting and frustrated and scared. And so it's bookend by, between a statement of, of, of trust. In between these statements of trust is despair, which, is, stay with me, if a biblical song can start with trust and end with trust, but have in the middle this kind of honest fear and lament, then so can your life. In other words, trusting God does not disqualify your pain. The bookends of trust don't disqualify what's in the middle. Trusting God doesn't disqualify your grief, and it doesn't disqualify your fear. Sometimes I hear Christians talk about if we trust in God, you just feel, you know, just like, just trust everything will work out, you know? Everything's just going to work out. Just be happy. We're addicted to happy. As if saying if we trusted God, all the hurt would just go away and not be matter. As if trusting God disqualifies all of those feelings, and it doesn't. Imagine if it did, though. Imagine if, if that's how it worked. This psalm would read like this. Do you want to hear Psalm 31, if that's actually how life worked? Trusting God just was, that's all you needed? You didn't need anything else? Here's how Psalm 31 would write. Really great song. It would read like this. In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Be strong and take heart, all who hope in the Lord. And that would be the psalm. The end. 
That's what it would sound like if you cut out the middle. Not much of a song. Good songs are honest songs. And it's possible to be upset and to be angry and to feel real things and still, at the end of it all, choose to trust God. And if you're hurting, it doesn't mean you're not trusting God. And I need you to hear that. Because sometimes when people put that pressure, like if you're hurting, it doesn't mean you're not trusting God. You can trust God and hurt at the same time. That's my first reflection on this psalm. Here's my second. Did you notice what the psalm's main complaint is? What was this psalmist really upset about? The answer is uh, um, um, enemies. Um, most of the thing he's talking about is just a general sense of anguish, but in verse 11 we, and elsewhere in the song, we're told what the actual problem is. Verse 11 reads, because of all my enemies. Enemies is mentioned a couple times. The writer is upset. The writer's hurting in despair because they are under attack by those who would seek them harm. The writer of this psalm has enemies. And this is actually a pretty common uh, theme in the book of Psalms. Do you know how like country songs are usually about everyday down-to-earth stuff? Like pop songs are usually about breakups or partying or maybe breakups at parties. But the Psalms, especially lament and petitions, they tend to be about enemies. In fact, the word enemy in its various forms appears at least 104 different times in the book of Psalms. So if you read through the book of Psalms, which I encourage you to do at some point, if you've not read through the book of Psalms, beautiful poetry, um, you're, it's going to be hard not to notice that these songs, many of them, are influenced by the fear of their enemies. And there are a lot of reasons for that. I don't have to, time to get into everything, but I want to share a couple of thoughts. So let's talk about that for a second. The first thing we need to remember, especially as followers of Jesus, is that Jesus taught us a different way of relating to our enemies. Jesus told us, and taught us this truly revolutionary idea. It was extremely revolutionary when he said it. No one was doing this yet. I mean, it was the hot new thing. And it's still pretty revolutionary. He said, love your enemies. And this message has transformed the world. Even though there are still wars and nations are still fighting each other, in general, we live in a much more peaceful world than when this psalm was written. In fact, it's possible for some people, not everyone, but for some people, if we're careful and we have the right kind of life, you could plan your life to spend most of your life without ever having a real enemy. You ever thought about that? There's probably some people in here who've never really had an enemy. And by enemy, I mean somebody who's actively seeking your, I've done it most of my life, not my whole life, but most of my life I've avoided having any real enemies. Now, people have not liked me, people have disagreed with me, but I've never really only a few times that people actively sought my harm. And maybe you could say the same. Or even if you can't, maybe I'm assuming you want to live your life in a way that avoids creating enemies. Most of us want to. Not all of us, but most of us want to create a life where we avoid creating new enemies. And as such, as we read through the Psalms, sometimes these laments can feel a little outdated because we don't live in a world where there's... Um, We've moved a lot of our tribal forces to, uh, to professional sporting events. That's more than we have time to talk about today. But like, that's, that's, where, that's where our enemies lie now. Okay, so, so generally speaking, you're not living at war with other tribes outside of sporting events. Okay, um, So some of these can be, and, I'm not, and generally speaking, I'm not saying read the Psalms through the lens of sporting events. All right, so let's think of it another way to read it. Um, here, here's one idea. You can think about it metaphorically. 
uh, there's no doubt that the original songwriters had actual enemies. But if you live a relatively peaceful life and avoid having enemies, which is not a terrible thing to do, and you read the Psalms, you could think of them as symbolic. Maybe there is something else you are struggling with. You know, Paul, uh, the early church leader, talks about how we don't war against flesh and blood. We don't, our, our fight isn't against other humans. It's against systems and powers in this world. And so maybe the enemy, that you, as you read through the Psalms, the enemy could be symbolic of systemic injustice. Or maybe it's closer than even that. Maybe you could think of your enemy as the negative thoughts you wrestle with about yourself, about other people. You see this in Paul's writing as well in the early church. He says things like, I have a thorn in my flesh. He says things like, I do what I don't want to do. So if you, like Paul and like me, sometimes do what you don't want to do and what you don't want to do, you do, then maybe you could read the Psalms and think of those patterns, those thoughts, as your enemy of sorts, what you need delivering from. God, help me. Deliver me from my enemies. That's one way to think about it. But, but I don't want us uh, to let off completely from the idea of having enemies. The reality is that if you have gone your whole life without ever having enemies, which is to say you never really felt like there were people or systems out to hurt you or limit you, it makes some of us uncomfortable here, right? So just get into your uncomfortable pants. One might say you have lived a privileged life. Okay. I know that's a triggering word but there really isn't a better word for it. If you lived most of your life without someone coming after you or feeling like the world is against you, you could say you're lucky, to say the least. But lucky isn't really the right word because our country has built systems and they've set them up to make it in such a way that, that some people can just avoid certain kinds of conflict. So privilege really is the best word. And if that's you, like it is for me, we could read these songs and use them as a way to reflect on our privilege. You know, you think about it, similar genres of music, when you think about the blues or rap or hip hop or other types of genres of music, they were forged out of oppression. And, and psalms like that was written by marginalized, hurting people. And so to understand these songs, you need to understand that what was going on in the lives of people who wrote them. And only then can we understand why the song talks about what it does. That there are people who live life, even in our great country, who feel like the world is against them and that people are out to get them. Because they are. And so if that's not you, we can become more empathetic towards that. The last point I want to make from this psalm is this. Of all the songs and of all the psalms in the Bible, it's this particular song that Jesus remembers when he's hanging on the cross. Luke 23, 46, out of the gospel, telling the story of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. It says, uh, Jesus is hanging on the cross. He's about to die. It says, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. Jesus' last words. This song, of all songs, all the songs and quotes and passages of the Old Testament, it's this one. This psalm would be the last thing Jesus would ever say before his death and eventual resurrection. When Jesus said this, his pain had to have been at an all-time high. And, he, and, you know, he's desperate. He feels forsaken by God, he even says at one point. And surely he knew he was moments from death, and he chose this song. 
In a little bit, we're going to reread the psalm now that we've talked about it. And when we do, I, I almost, you might even want to imagine you know, Jesus on the cross, and this is the psalm that he's reciting over and over again. This is the song that comes to mind that we're told Jesus is thinking about. He was tried, falsely convicted, beaten, humiliated, and hung on a cross to die in the most public way possible. It's safe to say he had a few enemies. And he thinks of this song where the writer cries out to God in anguish, teetering back and forth between petition and trust, upset with his circumstances, but choosing to trust God anyways. And he quotes this one line, which basically means, God, my life is in your hands. I commit my spirit to you. He's saying, my life is in your hands, in death or in life. Jesus would die, but even in death, his life remained in God's hands. And this would do nothing to change the pain or the fear or the hurt that Jesus would experience. His song, like like all of ours, was, was a dance between pain and trust, suffering and joy. But through it all, God was with him. When the whole world came after him, God remained his refuge. Just like God is with us. Just like God is our refuge when the whole world feels like it's coming after us. Now that we've talked about this uh, psalm, we've discussed a few of the themes, uh, uh, what it means to trust God even when it feels like the entire world is coming after us. Now that we've discussed it, let's listen to the psalm again. Um, You can follow along in your Bible, but I almost encourage you to close your eyes and reflect on these words. Now that you know what it's about, you can receive it, hopefully, in a slightly different way. Let's take a second. Let's take a breath. Let's hear what God has to say to us. In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Keep me free from the trap that is set before me, for you are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. I hate those who cling to worthless idols. As for me, I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your love. For you saw my affliction and knew the anguish of my soul. You have not given me into the hands of the enemy, but have set my feet in a spacious place. Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, and my soul and body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish, and my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction, and my bones grow weak. Because of all my enemies, I am the utter contempt of my neighbors and the object of dread to my closest friends. Those who see me on the street flee me. I am forgotten as though I were dead. I have become like broken pottery. For I hear many whispering terror on every side. They conspire against me and plot to take my life. But I trust in you, Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies, from those who pursue me. Let your face shine on your servant. Save me in your unfailing love. Let me not be put to shame. Lord, for I have cried out to you. 
But let the wicked be put to shame and be silent in the realm of the dead. Let their lying lips be silenced. With their pride and contempt, they speak arrogantly against the righteous. How abundant are the good things that you have stored up for those who fear you, that you bestow in the sight of all, on those who take refuge in you. In the shelter of your presence, you hide them from all human intrigues. You keep them safe in your dwelling from accusing tongues. Praise be to the Lord, for he showed me the wonders of his love. When I was in the city under siege, in my alarm I said, I am cut off from your sight, yet you heard my cry for mercy when I called to you for help. Love the Lord, all his faithful people. The Lord preserves those who are true to him, but the proud he pays back in full. Be strong and take heart. All who hope in the Lord. Let us pray. God, we ask that the words of Psalm 31 might become our prayer this year. That we might begin this year, regardless of what kind of year we had before, we might begin it by taking refuge in you. that we might choose to trust you. We might increase our empathy for those who are hurting, for those who are marginalized, for those who are suffering. That we would not use our privilege as an excuse not to care, but as a means for seeking change. God, we are weak we are in need of you. Help us to lay aside our pride and our ego. Help us to lay ourselves down before you yet again, reminding ourselves that we are but humans and that you are great and awesome and mighty. Remind us of our need for you. We ask all of this in your son's holy name, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.